How can I summarize my plan of attack in five words? This gun in my hand. Revolutionaries on the run from the law have made their base of operations in a condemned tenement building in Hex Pantry. Clive, this plan has to go off without a hitch. There's only one hitch I'm interested in, and that's... Be serious. For this to work, we've got to bring together members of three different organized crime families. They have to set aside their differences and keep their eyes on the goal. I know the Cappadocia family will get behind this, and you can convince the Green Streets to play nicely. But can we count on Regina's organization to take part without taking over? I think we can. In any case, Regina herself won't be a part of it. Only the members of her organization we can trust. Are you sure it's wise to exclude her? She's too dangerous. Besides, it's too late to change our minds. The communiques have already been sent out. 217 people will assemble at the meeting point. They'll be armed and come laden with materiel to get the job done. Chase it! It's the constabulary! I was so hoping we could hide here until the day of action, but it's no use. You get the electronics, I'll bring the maps and paperwork. There might be cops around the back of the building. Our best bet is that tunnel out of the basement. Let's go! Meanwhile, it's a hot summer day in Parabellum City. Not too hot, but we're not yet experiencing the coming ice age that scientists predict will destroy civilization by 1974. A perfect day for a firefight. Falk Ziljan, inescapable hero by virtue of the fact that he carries a gun, exchanges fire with two bad men on Mechanic Street, just down from the railroad bridge that's been under construction all spring and summer. Say, Falk, you're a difficult man to track down. What? Geez, Gary, take cover. I'm in a shootout here. I look for you in Grissel Park. I check the county building. I even ride the Verf Street bus route, figuring you'd be somewhere along there. Then I hear gunshots. Silly me. I could have relaxed in my office and waited till I heard gunshots. Gary, I'm not the only person in town firing guns, obviously. No, but if anybody else is shooting, you'll show up soon enough. It's like the call of the nightingales. Are nightingales looking to mate when they call each other? Irregardless, here we are. I'm kind of busy. Can we talk later? Get down! Who are these guys, anyway? I spotted these two hoodlums holding up a lacquer store. A liquor store? No, a lacquer store. You mean a paint shop? No, I don't think they sell other kinds of paint, just lacquer specifically. See, this is why you get a business manager and an agent. Somebody who can advise you on promoting yourself and maybe what your business should focus on. Just selling lacquer? It seems like a niche market. Well, he's doing enough business to make it worth two hoods robbing him. Is that Jimmy Zulo? Hey, Jimmy! Jimmy Zulo! Hi, Mr. McIntyre. No, I'm Toby Zulo. Jimmy went up to Saskatchewan chasing a girl. Toby! Can we have a ten-minute ceasefire so I can talk to Ziljan? Then you can kill each other to your heart's content. Ziljan won't sneak up on us while we stop shooting, will he? Of course not. He's got a code. Of some kind. What do you say? Can we cease with all the firing? Sure, Mr. McIntyre. Let's take a break, George. What are you doing? Put that out. You want this whole store to go up in a lacquer bomb? How do you know them? Jimmy Zulo was a sub-sub-lieutenant for the Cappadocia crime family. He probably still is. Probably working as muscle someplace down south, not chasing tail up north. That doesn't explain why they trust you or how they know you. I did some consulting for the Cappadocias. I've only heard a few hints about this new crime family in town. What do you know about them? 
The Cappadocia families got their hands in everything from brothels to narcotics to extortion, the numbers racket, forged housing inspection papers, rigged pinball machines, gun running, rum running, marathon running. What's the crime in marathon running? It's like fixing a horse race or a boxing match, only it's people running a marathon. Where was I? They're in the protection racket, paying off cops, black market cupid dolls, wage theft, burglary, blowing up dams so they can get the contract to rebuild them, the vanity publishing racket, the citizenship papers racket, uh, betting on fixed badminton matches, otherwise known as the badminton racket. Are you going to let me finish? How much more could there be? Uh, printing fake newspapers... Red-hot cinnamon toothpicks in elementary schools, stealing lunch money, stealing lunch boxes, eating at restaurants and running out without paying, uh, roofing scams, driveway coating scams, uh, flooded basement remediation scams. I think that's it. That would take a big organization. I can see why Regina wants to cut out the competition. Really, it makes no sense. How can there be so many crime families operating in Parabellum City? There's only two. The Green Street family and the Cappadocia family. You're forgetting Regina's, and her organization's even bigger. Technically not a family. The members of her organization aren't related, as far as anyone can tell. That's more of a crime syndicate. Still, three competing organizations in a town this size? It's a big city, but not that big. I wouldn't sing about it being a toddling town, but it's a toddling class town. Forget it. Let's get you back on track. Falk, Bubby, we gotta talk about effective ways to increase listeners. I can't worry about that right now. Besides these hold-up men, I've got the fruit stand bombers on the west-southwest side, a sharp uptake in pinball parlor betting in Hex Pantry, and now some offshoot of the Apple Cider Vinegar Consortium started counterfeiting cereal prizes. Cereal prizes? What's the percentage in that? Kids, send three box tops from Multimeal plus 25 cents to this address, and we'll send you, I don't know, some cheap trinket worth two cents. These bums are pasting fake labels on the back of multi-meal boxes with their own address down by the docks. I should go down there, see if I can pick up a case wholesale. My niece loves cocoa wheats. They're not affiliated with the real company. It's a scam. Oh, I get it. Do they even send the cheap trinkets to kids? That's the crazy part. They could have stiffed them, but they take time to manufacture little plastic compasses. Then they hand-deliver it to the kids who sent money. The compasses actually work, more or less. I guess they don't want to let the kids down. Well, don't that just warm the heart? Just when you lose all hope for humanity. Don't shoot these guys anyplace fatal when you bring them in. Those mugs could be crawling out the back of the lacquer store right now or climbing up to the roof. I'll make it short. Falk, what we need on the show is a wedding. It's a cheap gimmick, but audiences eat it up. You want an episode with some grunting wrestling, then bang bang, then I now pronounce you man and wife? Look at how many listeners we gamed after the episode where Wordsmith proposed to the Infomatron. Sure, the Newsy Duel, episode 49. The week after that aired, we had eight new stations signed up to broadcast the show. It's a technique that's proven effective. But we stumbled across that one by accident. There was no planning involved. Right, this whole thing is just improvised, off the cuff. There's nobody writing a script and rewriting and sweating over the details. There's not much rewriting. We want something that'll be the talk of the town. The wedding of the season. Usually that means the social season, but this would be season seven of this gun in my hand. Are we that far along? It feels like three years, but I've only been fighting crime since the start of 1939. Every 13 episodes of This Gun in My Hand is considered a season, regardless of what time of year it corresponds with. Never mind. The build-up to a wedding is what brings people in. With an action-packed show like this one, you got even more options. You could have the bride or groom shot or kidnapped, 
You could have a criminal fly into the church and try to blow up the happy couple and the family. Uh, you could have one of them get cold feet. Or will they? Won't they? It's a whole different area of suspense than we're used to. And now it's time to keep you in suspense. We'll return with Act 2 of Plan of Attack, Episode 88 of This Gun in My Hand, after this pleasant diversion. After a difficult work week, it is comforting to spend time with your fellows at a local tavern. Hi, guys. Uh, hey. Hello. Hi. Christy. Guess who got the promotion? You're looking at the new deputy ombudsman. Hey, hey. All right. Who would have thought? Here, here. <laughs> I uh, got some news of my own. Gladys said yes. She finally agreed to spend the weekend with you at the cabin? No, I proposed and she said yes. Oh, that's great. Congratulations. Uh, yeah. Put her oh. there. What can I get for you fellas? We have a nice Pinot Grigio. No, I'm in the mood for something weird. Something German. I know just the thing. Liebfraumilk. Cheers to good friends. Tonight we're celebrating the wine we pour. Must be superior to the rest of its ilk. So tonight, tonight, let it be Liebfraumilk. What do you say, Falk? Wedding of the season. I guess we can work it in somehow. What happy couple do you want surrounded by their friends and loved ones while they get shot at and bombed? The ultimate, of course, would be a wedding between you and that chippy of yours. What's her name? Regina? She's not my chippy. She's the queen pin of crime. Wanted in eight states, two territories, and Guatemala. What did she do in Guatemala? Some fruity thing. What was it? Oh, she was smuggling tarantulas out of the country concealed in boxes of bananas. That way, if they were discovered by customs inspectors, she'd say, you know, they just naturally hide among bananas. What can you do about it? Look, with you and Regina, everybody knows it's been coming. Classic screwball comedy setup. Two people start out at each other's throats. No way they'll ever get together. Then, in spite of the odds, slowly they come around. It's some kind of psychological thing. They're hostile to each other at first because they fear intimacy. You can find some other couple. The animosity between me and Regina is real. And I don't fear intimacy. It just doesn't interest me. Come on, Falk. It's biological. Birds do it. Bees do it. Number one, there are tons of bugs and animals who aren't wired for it. In fact, most bees don't do it. Female worker bees are infertile, and they're 90% of the colony. Only the queen bee has offspring. That's just honeybees. You're not considering... Number two, humans should not take bugs or wolves or lobsters as role models just because their behavior is natural. You ever hear two cats fighting, but it's a boy and girl cat and it didn't start off as fighting? That's how you know tomcats don't understand the concept of withdrawn consent. We don't want humans to get natural like that. All right, I can't talk you into it today. How about, uh, there's a couple from way back who seem to be happy with each other. Uh, in that episode where Castro brought your doppelganger from the negative space, Flinch Zipjam and his fiance Keiko. That's a nice couple, right? Assuming Castro hasn't dismantled the trans portal that connects with parallel dimensions. People are so sick of multiverse stories, that would outweigh any bump we got from a wedding. I can think of a more recent couple, On Guard and Barstool. Are they back together? No, she finally heard what his name means. Ugh. I don't know who else is in the market for a wedding. Excuse me, Mr. Mackinder? Toby, give me a minute. We just need to work out a few details before you get back to your firefight. I've been eavesdropping on you guys. I know somebody who's about to get married. Who is it? Anybody we've heard of? I don't know. It's Clive Cappadocia and Benita Greenstreet. They've been on the lam. Say, that's got a Romeo and Juliet angle already built in. Two households alike in indignity. They won't have any street fights involving switchblades and dancing, will they? 
The whole reason we were robbing this store was to get lacquer for the crib George made. It's our wedding present, see? Hold on, what are those names again? Did you say Bonita and Clive? Yeah, that's them. Word on the street is they're planning some kind of attack on the city, bringing together all the crime families. Over 200 of them meeting at a central location, bringing weapons and electronic devices, mapping it out. That's 200 people RSVP'd to the wedding invitations. They're bringing lights and a record player because they couldn't get an organist. They got maps to get to the church for anybody coming from out of town. What about the weapons they're bringing? We're talking about wise guys. They don't go anywhere without packing. All right, that makes sense. What crimes have they committed? Why are they on the run? Benita broke out of Santopolis jail. She only had one week left on her sentence. What was she in for? She was trying to raise money so they could have a big wedding with a reception and all that. So she was counterfeiting skee-ball tickets. How do you pay for a wedding with skee-ball tickets? The guy who rents out the reception venue is a degenerate skee-ball gambler. Ah, what about since then? Have they been stealing things to fuel their escape? Cars or food or diapers? No, why would they steal diapers? Well, you mentioned the crib for their wedding present. I thought maybe the baby's already here. No, we thought a crib would be nice for when they eventually have a baby. You got your heart in the right place, but that's a horrible idea. What if they can't have kids? They'd have this handmade crib reminding them it ain't gonna happen. Gee, I never thought of that. What are we gonna do with this lacquer? Leave it in the store. Go home and sell the crib. The money you make from it can be your wedding present. People think cash is a thoughtless gift, but everybody needs it. They'll figure out what to use it for. Oh, jeez. I made that crib in woodshop class. Come on, George. I think he's right. You'll get a good price on the crib. Anybody can see the craftsmanship you put into it. I thought we needed a wedding between beloved characters, or at least somebody the listeners know. Nah, these schmucks will blubber about any wedding. I mean, discriminating audiences will appreciate the joy in any marital union. Plus, it's a redemption story, so... What do you say, Falk? You think you can overlook their transgressions this time? Sure. Us too? I suppose. Just don't go robbing any more lacquer stores, you mugs. We couldn't if we wanted to. This is the only lacquer store around. Sometime later, in an undisclosed location. I do. I do as well. By the power vested in me as a business consultant to the Diocese of West Santopolis, and as a captain of a small motorboat, I now pronounce you man and wife. You may want to load up your loot and skedaddle. That was beautiful. Hey, Ziljan, you getting a little choked up there? I'm not crying. I was chopping onions. The caterer fell through. Oh no, they were supposed to supply rice to toss on the newlyweds. What do we do now? We can tear up skee-ball tickets and use them as confetti. Darling, you're so good at planning things. You and your guests go. I'll hold them off. But Falk, we can't let you do that. It's no problem. Good guys are constantly having fights and shootouts with people they don't recognize as good guys. That's how you get all the fun comics about would G.I. Jake beat Defenders of the Hearth? And would Matban beat the Emerald Ashborer? We know you're having a wedding in there. Everyone drop your weapons and come out. We've got you surrounded except for that east door off the kitchen. I heard the caterers fell through. Don't tell them that. Oh, uh, we got the east door covered too. Anyway, I've always wanted to say this. You'll never take me alive, coppers! That's the last of the guests. We have to leave. Will he be all right? Certainly. The only thing that stops a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. When it's all good guys firing, they miss each other. I think that's how it works. 
Plan of Attack, episode 88 of This Gun in My Hand, was officiated by Rob Northrup. This episode and all others are available on YouTube with automatically generated closed captions of dialogue. Visit thisgunandmyhand.blogspot.com for credits, show notes, archives, information on how to subscribe, and to buy my books, such as Little Heist in the Big Woods and other revisionist atrocities. What can I get for you fellas? This gun in my hand. I know it's not pronounced Liebfraumil, it's Liebfraumil, but you know, it's a commercial for an American audience. You have to cater to their whims.